bold vision, inspirational leadership, drive, determination, creativity. Welcome to Secrets of Staffing Success, a podcast where we talk to innovators and thought leaders in the staffing industry to discover the strategies and tactics that make these top performers stand out. And here are your hosts, the co-CEOs of Haley Marketing, Victoria Kenward and David Cerns. Technology. It's probably the hottest topic in the staffing industry right now. Well, maybe after recruiting and vaccine mandates. On this show, Vicki and I chat with Tim Jackson, a 20-year veteran of the staffing industry with a really unique background in finance, staffing operations, and over six years of technology consulting with one of the industry's leading bullhorn implementation specialists. While you might expect Tim to be focused on automation and apps, he brings a very different view on the role of technology, where the best areas are to apply technology to the staffing industry, and what the future of staffing technology just might look like. So sit back and enjoy a bit of geek talk that could make a big impact on your future success. Secrets of Staffing Success is brought to you by Haley Marketing. Right now, our clients are looking for solutions to their recruiting challenges and ideas to drive sales growth. If you'd like ideas for your marketing or to improve your recruiting or to help drive sales, our team would be happy to help. One of the free services we offer is to help companies put together a marketing roadmap or a recruitment marketing roadmap. Essentially, these are mini marketing plans showing your company just what to do. We can help you with areas like digital marketing, branded content, automation, optimizing sense and hearfish, and implementing automation platforms like HubSpot and ActiveCampaign, programmatic job advertising, and other recruitment marketing strategies, and much, much more. If you'd like to have our team prepare a roadmap for your company, you can contact us at 1-888-696-2900 or visit us online at haleymarketing.com. I think today's going to be a lot of fun, Vicki. This is, in terms of guests on the show, probably the person who knows us the longest of anyone we've ever talked to. That's probably true. And I don't know if you're going to tell the full tale, but this goes back to you because of this gentleman spending some really long nights. (laughs) Not with Tim directly, though. (laughs) Because of Tim. (laughs) So let's make that clear. (laughs) If that wasn't enough, we're really happy to introduce Tim Jackson, who's a principal and senior consultant with PPT Partners Group and also a senior consultant with Newberry Partners. Tim, welcome to Secrets of Staffing Success. Thank you, David. Thank you, Vicki. It's really, it's great to be here. And, and you're right, I have known you guys a long time. So, uh, and I, you know, it's great to see you guys, you know, your progress over the years. And I, I know we've got many years of collaboration in front of us. Absolutely. So, Tim, um, for everybody's background, this is going to be a technology show, but tell everyone a little bit about your background and what you're doing in the staffing industry today. Uh, thanks, David. Yeah, so my background is, uh, I was actually a finance technology guy for 20 years at at a predecessor of the Bank of America, uh, and I ended up doing a, a dot com with some of my coworkers, uh, which got me deep down the the technology path. Uh, of course, 
it was in the pets.com era and I, we burned up all our money and I had to go get a real job. So I ended up, ended up being a technology uh, and financial executive for a hot dog company, which makes perfect sense. I'm sure uh, I, I, that did not end well because of a technology conversation that I could have probably won't though. Uh, and the, okay. I was more worried about the transition from pets.com to hot dogs. I just can't get that out of my mind. <laughs> it was not, it was not pets.com, but it was, <laughs> no, it was actually e-learning company. So in technologists will appreciate this. You know, we did, we did some early work with video and I was so proud of my work product and all my team. We brought it home and showed my wife on my computer at home. And she says, well, why don't the words match the lips? I'm like, I said, Oh, don't worry about that. So of course, we struggled with all sorts of technical issues over the years. So, it, it, but I ended up leaving the hot dog company, started doing consulting, and that's how I got into staffing. Um, and I ended up doing a uh, completing a PeopleSoft implementation for the advanced group in Chicago, which is where I met you guys. That's right. Uh, and that that springboarded my exposure to staffing. Uh, and the quick aside, and again, I, I love telling stories. So, the Years ago, when I was at an ASA event, I was actually at the ASA event when they did their uh, 50th anniversary story, and they put some names up on the board, uh, 50-year Hall of Fame people, and they put the name Sam Workman up there. Well, my father used to work for Sam Workman. Uh, oh, wow. And, and it, you know, the, the fact that he, you know, my father was a controller, a finance guy. I'm going in the basement seeing him with these time cards and these adding machines. So it's just old school stuff. This is, this is late 50s, early 60s. And... Here I am now, you know, as an adult, uh, sort of adult, functioning in, in I'm, I'm pay bill, you know, person, pay bill expert in staffing in year 2005. And he was doing that same crap back in 1960. I'm like, man, what, I, I, I hope like, my dad would be proud, but I'm not sure. <laughs> apple doesn't fall far from the tree. Is that what that's exactly. Right? Thank you. Exactly. So yeah. that, that was my evolution of the business. Joined, joined the advanced group, worked there for a while, ran their healthcare operation as, as an operator of the staffing business. We sold it. Uh, eventually, the buyers got into trouble in 2009. The deal went bust, taken over, eventually taken over by cross country. Uh, I, I exited there, went back to consulting for a while uh, through Newberry, uh, my friend John Weston, and uh, ended up going back to work for the advanced group uh, and led their technology group until 2019. So, and then I went back to consulting. I ended that assignment with advanced, pick up the phone and said, Hey John, I'm back in the game. And, you know, I went to work and did a workday implementation and a bullhorn implementation. It was pretty cool. So that's where I find myself today. I work for Newberry and on engagements and I do some of my own, on my own dime. So. So you've seen a lot change in from the technology perspective over the last 20 years. What do you see are the, the biggest and most important changes? Wow, that's a great question. And I, I think it the 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 real key there is that the role of the technology, it's it's I'll call it the encroachment on our role in the staffing industry as you know, ultimately we are intermediaries and brokers, and now we're we're our roles are getting narrowed. Uh, and just like our friends in the real estate industry where, you know, there used to be a model for how the real estate agent worked. There used to be a model how the staffing person worked. Uh, it's changing. The technology is, is taking certain functions away from us, performing certain things more elegantly. Uh, and it's going to, that trend is going to continue. And our role as 
brokers and intermediaries, I think is a long-term role. It doesn't really change, change other than in its form and the frequency of how we execute it. So uh, I think it's, uh, you know, the, as the candidate experience, uh, we've automated so many pieces of that. We've automated so many pieces of our back office operations. Uh, and of course the client experience has changed quite a bit as well. So, you know, it, it's, it's all about uh, the change of technology and its emergence as uh, drivers of, of efficiency. But what hasn't changed is the notion that as an investor, and this comes to my finance background, is that it's all about maximizing that EBIT, lowering that, you know, that SG&A as a uh, percentage of my revenue, you know, being able to create operating leverage. Uh, and that's the technology, the, the advantages of really good technology is that you actually create operating leverage uh, and you don't always have to have great huge scale. That break-even point now for some of these technologies is lower than it used to be. So we could have a $100 million staffing firm that's using technology that used to be only the billion-dollar guys got to, to use. And that 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 step stone, that step function, you guys know very well because you guys, I know, have brought technology to the mid-sized, smaller operators that before they never could get access to. And because you know those requirements, you've cobbled together solutions that uh, are, are effective and years ago were not accessible to these other firms. And so that trend is just, it's, it's inevitable, it's pulling us forward and that's gonna continue. That was a long answer, I'm sorry. That was a good answer. And, and what you mentioned, that's really the mission of our business. That's why we're here is to level that playing field. So bringing that technology down to a small or medium-sized business that couldn't otherwise afford it, we're always looking for that kind of opportunity because there's so much opportunity for them to compete against those larger guys if they can get that same technology. But without it, they're at a huge loss. A absolutely. And, and, and it's, you know, it's, it's the B2B side, the B2C side, as well as, you know, I use the term order management these days to talk about how we run our staffing business. Uh, and, and, you know, we could talk a lot, of, especially with you guys, I could talk a lot about the B2C side and the, the, the kind of the advances in that space. And there, there are a lot of them there. Um, but I'm also, frankly, you know, my, most of my thinking, most of my kind of interest with people is, is to, is to really talk about order management, talk about uh, pay bill, talk about straight through processing, those components of our business that uh, are, in my view, are ripe for uh, automating uh, the, the advances in technology that we see today, low code platforms and mm -hmm. RPA are just, they're, they're right on the cusp. Uh, the things you can do now, you know, with these, with these tools were never available for. A quick short story, everybody I think will, in the audience will understand this one, is that you remember years ago when we saw, you know, we were all using Excel and someone did a pivot table for us and we were like, holy crap, that is a whole <laughs> It's amazing. Oh, amazing. How do I do that? So you would kind of learn from that person and then you would be the star in the office because you knew how to do pivot tables. And, you know, us technology guys would thump our chest and be like, hey, I did it. And now everybody does pivot tables. What the hell? You know, it's like, it's just the same thing is going to happen with RPA. Our, you know, RPA is right on the cusp. I've seen the user interface for these build tools from Automation Anywhere and for Microsoft's tool. And they are, they are accessible to the citizen developer. 
And that term citizen developer is, is really happening in our business. You know, I'm a citizen developer. I'm a finance guy. I didn't, this technology stuff, you know, I come by only because I'm like, oh, this is, I can do this. So this, these trends that we, that were happening in the nineties are being pulled all the way through today. Yeah, you talk about the the RPA, and I was talking to a company at Staffing Tech Conference a few years ago, and I loved what it could do in terms of let's take something that's a repeatable process and automate it, but their entry point was a hundred grand a year. So unless I was eliminating you know, a couple of FTEs, um, it was a it was a major investment. But now I've talked to somebody else who said, well, yeah, that's that same technology is down to about one tenth that cost which opens it up to every process you might look at. David, I, I, that, that is so true. And, and, and frankly, that is the story with Microsoft, as we know, is that they have pulled these technologies to the, become the everyman functionality. So uh, the, and, and it goes for not only for RPA, but for, for BI as well. I mean, this Power BI tool, I, I don't want to sound like a, you know, a Microsoft you know, you know, fan, fanatic, but it, 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 it is, you, you can get entry level because you can do Power BI against that native SQL database. You don't have to build a data warehouse. And, you know, when I say that to certain people, they go, they, rah, 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 you're you know, no, it, it, you're wrong. I've done it. And, you know, it's, it has some complexity if you, if your data sources are, are go beyond the ATS but not so much because that financial data set data model is accessible as well. And building these joins are not, it's not like you need a whole, you know, a snowflake, you know, in context, you, there's some utility to it, but you don't have to have it. So power BI and RPA are citizen developer topics that if I'm running a staffing firm, I'm skilling up my people to do this stuff. I'm sending them to the classes. They are, they, they love it. I, I, Back, you know, when I was working for Leo at uh, the advanced group, we trained up some people and they, you know, we've transformed their career because we taught them these key skills. And all of a sudden they're like, man, I'm so much more than just a, you know, an accountant or a, or a, you know, HR administrator. Now I'm a, you know, I'm a BI analyst and they've got full career, new careers out of this. So much opportunity right now for those people with those skills too. So <sighs> You know, you're creating... Incredible, incredible. Yeah. yeah. So I, I've got a couple of projects going now with Power BI that we've done. We, we went to the client and said, you know, it's that whole thing of, you know, teach the man to, to fish, you know, he feeds for life. And I've, we've taught these people how to do RPA, excuse me, how to do BI. I'm trying <laughs> to do the RPA. I haven't done that one yet, but I'm working on it. Uh, and, you know, I found a couple of vendors that are willing to partner you know, they'll, they'll, they'll do the first one, show you how to do it. You will coach you through the second one and then they'll start, you know, then they'll be accessible for development questions along the way. That, that partner is, you know, they made, they made me a friend for life because they did it for my team. And now I pull them around the country trying to do it for other clients. When you look, yeah. When you look at these skill sets, um, Tim, is it a matter of send people to class to learn the technology or do we have to send them to class to learn, to really understand the process and the metrics that a company should be looking at? Cause it seems now that people have to be more strategic to use the tools. You know, David, that's a great question. I, I think it starts with the, the, the technology tools yourself because uh, especially in staffing, frankly, staffing is not that complicated. 
we, we make, we can make it complicated, but it's not really that. So the, the key metrics, I mean, I can do the math on a fill ratio. I can do time to fill. I can do year over year analysis. Those are the fundamentals, you know? And so in comparing actuals to goals, I mean, so I, I, it can help. And if, you know, over time, those higher order skills are critical, but really giving somebody the core technical skills equipped with, here's a report that we do every month. It takes us three hours a month to do this. Here's a report we do every week. It takes us all morning on Monday to do this. Here's a report we do. I, I've got a client that they had a person, you know, kind of doing something at like 11 o'clock at night or five in the morning so that their leadership could see the results the next morning. And it was a beautiful report, but it was a pain PIA. You know, it, they needed that technology uh, and, the, and the, the Power BI solution stepped right in because we can now we get the report automatically. And it was a very customized report. And so I didn't have to do any analytics on it. I just had to say, show me what you're doing today. I know those data sources because I can find them in your ATS. So make it happen. That's great. It is, it, 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 Vicki, it is so, you know, as a technologist, you know, that this, this stuff is, it is, it's just, I'm so, I'm excited about it. I, I, I can, you know, as long as they keep letting me play with stuff, you know, I'm good. I'm good to go. That's how I feel about it too. I'm like, I just love to get my hands in there and just do stuff. And then look what I did. Like I created this. Exactly. Exactly. So, so Vicki, have you done any low code work? Just a little bit, just a little bit. So, so, you know, the power platform has a low code environment back, you know, the, my work with the advanced group and, you know, you guys know Leo Sheridan and they just a great company. Yes. Um, And I, we had a chance to use a piece of technology called Mendix, M-E-N-D-I-X. It was mm-hmm. one of the original low-code platforms bought by Siemens. They took it, you know, they, it was a startup, right. came out of the Netherlands. It, and we took a guy, one of our one of our PeopleSoft business analysts who had no technical skills, we sent him to classes, taught him up. He's killing it. And now they've, they've converted other internal people by just teaching them the skills because they were good thinkers. And, and so now you've built this team of developers doing low code work and they have an authentic application that they're, that they're working on. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's just, I, I'm just, I'm so excited about that platform. Uh, I haven't yet kind of bumped into that because we know in staffing, most of our work is done inside our ATS mm-hmm. or, or our, our workflow tool like sense, uh, you know, it, it, or, or here fish those, you know, work in is obviously out there now. So I think the, you know, it, it's, there's going to be opportunities to use those platforms in ways that we haven't even thought of yet. That's the exciting part, right? In the ways that we haven't thought of yet. And what, what are those going to be? But time will tell. Yeah, but, absolutely. Timmy brought up a whole bunch of other vendors and think about ATS and, and we're seeing everywhere, you know, technology is the hot topic in the industry, maybe right after recruiting right now. So you get to deal with a lot of different companies and see how staffing leaders approach technology. What would you say that executives in the industry get right? And what do they get wrong when they think about digitizing their companies? All right. You know, the top of my list, of course, is shiny object syndrome. So, you know, we, 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 we go to a show, we see a demonstration it's so attractive. We then bring it back to our teams. 
and they drink the Kool-Aid and all of a sudden now you find yourself down the path of a piece of product that's not totally ready for prime time. Uh, that, that is, that, that's probably the biggest issue out there because even a great product, the implementation work on it is, is really where the action's at. It's scope, time, and cost and, and, and uh, resources and cost. Uh, I, I, so many projects that I've been involved with just don't miss, don't make their marks because we didn't know enough going in. Uh, <clears throat> we know that we don't like to do uh, discovery because it costs money. Um, and sometimes you're like, let's just get on with it. You know, we know that we're going to use this tool. Let's get into it. And let's make it, try to make it happen. So, you know, some of the stuff is some, you feel like you're, you're uh, building the plane as you land it or take it off. So it, it can be a, a bit of a, a, a bit of a challenge, but you know, when I think of technology mistakes and technology successes, it's the more, you know, the better you are, you know, great alignment on understanding the ambiguity of, of a project in just how many assumptions we've had to make about that timeline, about the costs and about the scope and really what's going to happen with the project. Uh, the more alignment, you know, I, as a veteran in this business, and I'm talking to technology people, they know the story. I have not, you know, I've been fired from jobs for missing this stuff. And so I know what that feels like. I know what it means to blow a project up. Um, I don't, I, I learn from all those experiences. Uh, sometimes I get a second chance. Sometimes I don't. And so, but it, I have to tell you, you know, there's, I have enough humility to know that, you know, I'm really good at some of this stuff. And so helping someone see it, if I get the right team in time and get the right, everybody aligned, we're going to have a good outcome. So um, that's kind of, you know, that, that would be my, my commentary. The, the, the other piece I would say is be very mindful of this financial thing. Um, the, the SGNA expense, how we structure uh, the investment, how we think about the investment. Uh, it's not only incremental revenue, but it's also, you know, uh, opportunity costs. And, and sometimes I was, I did a giant PeopleSoft project for one couple of the larger firms they were doing mergers and they ended up building this whole component that they could never deploy because the stranded cost out in the branches was they couldn't they you couldn't take the branch down to one person so you had this cost i took away all the functions and they still have the people there and they're like well we can't do it we need the branch we need two people so we just we're not we didn't get the savings and you know people lose their jobs over that because sometimes these things are at scale and they're and and you know there's, there's, there's a lot of pressure on these, on these leaders. So you have to be careful where, when you build that ROI model that you, that those are, that those uh, opportunities are real. Yeah. That's a costly mistake because it really, it reminds me, it reminds me of David and I were in the um, welt factory looking at BMW cars being made. And in the factory, they use these robots and then they have coworkers were actually the human beings or they considered them coworkers. And it, along the line, one of the women that were telling us about the, how it's, how it works said, well, we had to add some work back in for the humans because they were getting bored and falling asleep on the job. It's like, isn't that similar? You really, it, it, Vicky, it, I, you are a hundred percent right. This is, this is a, you know, we are still in the people business and, yes. and our customers, both the talent and the, the client 
they they come to us because we are helping them on this decision. And you know, the when people say, "Oh, the staffing business is going to be," you know, Upwork's going to wipe you out, and Fiverr's, you know, I'm like, that's not true. So, you know, the role, the dimensions we perform are going to change over time, but importantly. The higher the cost of failure in a job, the more you need our training, our staffing skills, because you need to add more quality to your decision making around who to hire. And we do, we do that for you. Uh, so that that relationship of quality of, of you know, cost of failure, if you would, uh, and, and the role of staffing is real. So, you you know, you don't see Corn Ferry and Hendrick and Struggle. They're putting up rocket chip numbers because you got to get those hires right and you need a collaboration and it, it you know, it works for Amazon too. You know, it's just, it's just different. You know, it, it's, it's just a matter of degree that warehouse worker, that lift driver, that order picker, they, they need uh, someone to talk to uh, over time. You know, I'm happy to use the work in app to swipe right and swipe left to take my shift, but I had to get there and to get there, I needed a human kind of help me a little bit so you know maybe over time it'll change again and it, it, it will but it's you know it's got a long way to go i agree 100 so i have another question for you like the pandemic kind of escalated all of this and made things happen faster what did you see in technology adoption and how was that impacted by this pandemic you know i i was we were real fortunate in, in you know like for advanced, they were, they were a laptop centric company. So they were able to literally, you know, and if you were on the cloud and your laptops are ready to go and you, you could walk out, you could, you could spin up the remote experience. Um, so that, you know, that being able to execute on the remote experience to me is, you know, is obviously the, 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 the company uh, infrastructure question of the day. Um, I think the, lack of um, collaboration, you know, in Vicki and David, I know you guys not only you come from a staffing background as well, but besides being experts at, at the marketing technology side of it, um, but, you know, the, the, the board meeting, the daily standup that says, here's our whiteboard. I got a whiteboard behind me. Uh, the whiteboard that says, here are the orders. Here's the talent rolling off. What are we doing with everybody? What is this person doing with this order? What's this person doing with this person that's rolling off that assignment? That dynamic is hard to capture when you're doing it remote. And here's the piece that, you know, those firms that had invested in, in order management BI applications had a better had a better run at this. It was easier for them to do. If you didn't have something like that, you had to do it in Google Sheets. And and it, and it you know it it lends itself you know to to problems and challenges. Uh, you know I saw some really elegant you know, BI order management applications over the over the course of course of the last couple of years. I've seen a lot of great things from Sixcell. I think they do some really good work in that space. Um, I, I know they, the guys at Advance built some really good stuff. Um, uh, and so I, I just, you know, I think it's a, I, I saw Chameleon the other day and that was a really impressive piece of technology. Uh, they were Power BI platforms. So is, so is Sixcell. So at least to me, these are, you know, that order management piece of our business. Like I wake up today as an owner 
uh, and I, if I set aside my strategic conversation and say, I'm going to talk about reality today. Reality is, what are my open orders? What talent do I have that's going to roll off? Where am I filling? What does my pipeline look like? What does my funnel look like for all my open orders? Do I, am I properly prioritizing those open orders? Are my recruiters surfacing the talent so that others can see that talent? So that, you know, there, there's a, there's a discipline to recruiting that is, I think if firms have not been good about talking about it and teaching to it, uh, I think they've done their team a disservice. They're, they are limiting their growth potential. We as staffing leaders need to know that it's okay for us to be prescriptive and telling people how to do their work. Uh, not every step along the way, but we should. there should be some principles. One of my best stories is, uh, uh, I, I think I can say it, the guys at Mitchell Martin would tell me, hey, you know what? Our recruiters don't start their search until they've looked inside our database. I'm like, how do you make that happen? Well, we do. We teach to it. We, it's part of our process. We evaluate the data to make sure that they did do that. You know what? I know that's not a best practice at every shop, but I, you know, I give Holtzman's team a lot of credit for doing that. So, yeah, and that's a huge asset. And there, it—that's an unusual story, honestly. It, 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 it is, Vicky, and it's something that that, to their credit. Uh, you know, they, they've, they've, they've invested in, it. they invest in the quality of that data. They, they, they work hard to keep it clean. You know, you know, there are tools to do that. Most people, you know, I've had one client tell me their data was a sewer. I'm like, mm. Mm. Uh, you know, I, I know that's true. I hate to hear it. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. You yeah, mentioned you it. Still- Go ahead, Vicki. <laughs> right. I didn't know if you're still out there. Yeah, I was, I was, uh, Tim, I wanted to ask a, a question that's, that's sort of related to a comment you made earlier about things that can put somebody's job on the line. And I had read over the years, not specific to staffing, that 75% of major technology initiatives fail. And is that a statistic that you agree with? And if so, what the no, staffing I, I, I don't. I, I, you know, it, it is, it, I know those articles. I've read those articles. Mm-hmm. I'm, you know, I'm a, I'm a student of the business. I'm a student of IT. Uh, Failure is the is the it's the wrong label. It just didn't meet what the original spec was. I was late. It cost more, and it didn't do everything I wanted it to. If 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 that's the standard, then yes, I agree with it. Most projects cost more than they originally said. Most projects take a little longer, and you know the promise of functionality isn't always realized. So. If that's failure, then it's then the numbers are true. But I frankly don't think that's failure. I think there's a and there has to be an acknowledgement of of the of the implicit contract between the sponsor of the project and the, the folks doing the work. So that if that's not there, if that alignment's not there, then you then you get that kind of statistic. So um, I, I'm sure that my technology brothers would or sisters would agree with that. So so how how do you create that alignment? How do you ensure that the the sponsors get the result they want? Uh, it, it's it starts at at the in, inception of these projects uh, and education. Uh, you know the the utility of having a few gray hairs and being able to talk about these things as, as from experience, I think is is essential. Uh, every staffing owner 
executive who's done this work. They, they all have disappointments in the technology space. Every one of them. I've never met one who didn't. Uh, and that should tell you something. It, it just it, it's endemic. So let's let's agree that 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 when I tell you the system's going to do this and that, your response is, well, when is it going to do it? And I'll say, well, I think it could be here. And I, I need it done by year end. Well, I didn't say year end. I think you know <laughs> it, it. You know, if you want me to do it by year end, you know, for me to win the job, I, I'm going to say okay. But you know. Let's talk about risk adjusting this, these 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 assumptions and what 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 what's good enough. Uh, and and uh, frankly, you know, too many too often deadlines are imposed on people, budgets are are imposed on projects, and the technology executors, guys like me, are we are loath to go too far down the path, saying, well, you know, you're not going to get that for for this. Because then they're going to find some other guy who comes in the door and says, well, I can do it for that. And they're full of crap. So, uh, you know, I, I try to create some ambiguity around expectations to say, you know, this is this is hard business. This is, you know, we, this is not a for this is not a layup. This is not foregone yet. We're going to we got a lot of we got a lot of work in front of us to make this happen. And there's there's some things that we might end up having to leave behind that famous, oh, phase two. People hate to hear that, but that's reality. <laughs> I'm sure, Vicky, you've never had that problem with David and, and the and the business. <laughs> never ever happens, Tim. Exactly, we are so exactly. good at setting I've up. Never scope. once had an unrealistic expectation. <laughs> never. <laughs> or spend victim of shiny object syndrome. Never that. I have, I have no idea how you guys have coexisted as business partners. Nevertheless. As a married partners, <laughs> we we don't know anything different. <laughs> All right, fair enough. But actually, what you don't maybe not, don't know is my parents were entrepreneurs and they worked together, and David's parents were entrepreneurs and they worked together. So we literally do not know anything different. We just right. this is normal well, to us. Good for you. And I know I think your son's in the business, isn't he? Daughter. Daughter's in the business. Okay. Daughter's good, in the good business. for you guys. Hey, don't yeah. ignore our son. He's working for, for us. Yeah, and our youngest is now work doing some work for us too. Yeah. yeah. So Tim, um, let's put our, the, our our fortune teller's hat on, <laughs> and let's look uh, three to five years out into the future of technology. Everybody's implementing various forms of automation right now. We got a lot of people implementing apps different ways, but where's this industry going from a technical perspective? David, I'm so glad you asked that question. Um, <laughs> One, one I, I think the 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 role clearly the role of the cloud is is preeminent. The 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 overlay of security uh, systems and and are are, are and privacy are, are just real and they're gonna it's gonna play out in many many different forms. Um, but the the frankly the AI machine learning piece is is huge and. I, I have this concept, that, you know, that you know when we talk about a job and we uh, we did a placement last night, okay, that's a one-to-many relationship, one candidate, one person to a many relationship. But that many relationship being all the coworkers, the site they're working on, the tools they're given, the training they're given, the boss, the industry. So the success factor is is we often say, well, it's the candidate, you know, that's the determiner. It really is an understanding of the candidate, and we have a lot of data around people now, 
Well, we don't have a lot of data around jobs and 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 jobs, what it means to be successful in those jobs. So I think there's going to be, and there already are, emerging research around the, the best successful candidates for this company and this role in this site at this moment in time, working for this boss. There are so many data elements that today we abstract into a job rec and we think that that works to select the right person. And frankly, it doesn't. What really happens as we know, in mo- especially in professional services space, is that, David, you call up me as a recruiter and say, hey, Tim, give me another one like Joe or Sally you put in the job a year ago. I need another one of those. And in that messaging, you've conveyed to me a lot of complexity. And I have to use my judgment to do that. So we're going to be able to take that complexity over time and start turning it into data. And the more data we get, the better the models are going to get. And we know there's a lot of research. And, and I thank the guys at Talent Tech Labs for bringing in a lot of this visibility to us, is that there's a research that says, you know, I, I, I take, a, especially for a large employer, uh, where they have enough scale, enough data to really do some effective work, is you look at the, the, the 400 or 500 people that do this job in the company, and you pick out the top performers. And then you run the data and you look at those attributes and look at those jobs and say, well, what, what are the, what are the causals? What are the correlations? What, what, how should we think about that? It's really hard for a company to do that today, but it's going to get easier because the, the, the tools are going to be accessible. The, you know, the folks at, at uh, Oracle and Ulti and Workday, they're, they're working on these ideas and they're going to come up with, you know, you know, data models that allow us to say, here's a job. And we are going to take that data and we're going to loop them into our database of our client candidates and we're going to do better matching. So that to me is the is really what you're going to see here. This is, we're going to keep working hard on optimizing order management, optimizing pay bill, straight through processing is going to be the, you know, continue to be important to us. But this AI matching thing is is serious stuff. We're going to, we're going to get better at it. And I, I'm, I'm really excited about that. What do you feel like is the time frame for that? We actually start to see that either in the ATS or as a, a, a something that can be added on to the ATS. Well, you, you, you know, I, I've seen, I you know, again through Talent Tech Lab, I've seen a number of of kind of innovative solutions, but I haven't seen them really deliver. You know, you know, you know, stand up and work because. Frankly, the folks who are doing this are the bigger firms, and we we don't get to see that. We right. don't know how good it is yet because it's not made its way at scale down to us yet as, as a technology that we could deploy for the kind of firms that, that at least I work with. Yeah, same. Um, so I, I'm always interested in you know getting a glimpse of what's going on at the bigger firms where they've got money and scale that just – so that's a – not a very effective answer to your question. I think it's years. I think there's. It's going to be incremental. It's not. It's not a cliff function at all. It's going to be. You know, there's going to. We're going to grow incrementally. The tools are going to get better. We're going to start. They're going to. The tool guys are going to bring more and more technologies to us. We're going to be able to apply them to our data. Our, our data. Then we're going to have an appetite for more data, and we're going to have to gather more data, and then we're going to get better tools. It's. It's a. It's a symbiotic process of just keeping the innovation pressure on better better matching and 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 then you know we start looking at you know why things failed and that's how when you think about manufacturing's progress over the years it's all come from 
continual pressure on straight through processing. I, I am a, I, I use the, you know, I, because I was in the hot dog business and this is my hot dog. How does it relate to uh, staffing business is the hot dog business is a supply chain business. You know, there, it's very, you know, you can trace it all the way through from the feedlot all the way through the package that's sitting in the grocery store. And there's a, there's, there's processes and control points and the HR business is going to follow the same thing. Whatever we did in the direct material supply chain, there's a corollary to what we're going to do in the HR supply chain. And that HR supply chain is still very primitive. It's still very, it's just forming, but you know, there's some serious thinkers in this space and serious engineering and tons of tons of money pouring into it. So, you know, it's going to take time. It's going to be incremental. Uh, will it, be look differently three years from now? I don't think so. Will it be five years from now? I bet you. Will it be substantially different 10 years from now? I think so. But what will be the constant is there's still going to be people like us who stand in the business and are facilitating conversations, uh, playing the role of, of kind of explainer. Uh, and it, whether I'm explaining to a candidate how this works or I'm explaining to a hiring manager, it, it, you know, it's what we do for a living. We we take the complexity, we make it simple. That's a huge skill. So my, my concern with all of that has little to do with the process and, and what's coming in the AI. It has more to do with the data and being able to get enough data that you can train those models and have data that's not somehow skewed or biased so that we don't create other issues. Any thoughts on that? No, I have a lot of thoughts on it, but you know, I... I <laughs> I, you know, just the, the threat of bad things happening because of these technologies does not stop me from pursuing them. Um, just like every other technology, there's always been the threat of, oh my God, the machines are taking over. It, it, it's, it, I just don't see it. it. You know, the, the issues around diversity and, and uh, inclusion are, are real. I'm a believer in that, of course, and, and it, we just have to keep the keep the, it visible in front of people. Um, you know, I love the fact that you know there's a story that Microsoft had done some work around, you know, their your their people's classification schemas, and they you know they spent a lot of money on it. All of a sudden, they found like, oh man, this is this data is bad. It's poison. You know, we we, we and so they just abandoned it. And so we need to hold ourselves accountable that we can't deploy this stuff without, you know, back testing it and understanding its, its uh, consequences on decision-making. Um, you know, I, there's a, there's a corollary in technology to the, to the orchestra director who does blind auditions where the person co goes behind the screen. I don't know if it's a man or a woman. Uh, and I, I evaluate them on their skill and it's going to take some work, but we're going to get there on these technologies, uh, on these jobs not just technology jobs, but any job, whether you're a Lyft driver, a picker, or, uh, you know, a cost accountant or a, a C++ programmer. I mean, it's, it's, we're going to get closer and closer. And these technologies, I think are going to help us. It's, it's not going to be me because every time I show up, I bring all my biases. So it, true. It, it, it's going to be the technology. It's just, yep. you know, so that's, I'm bullish on that. That's great. That's really great. Um, David, Tim and I could probably talk all day. So do you, do you want to wrap up or do you have another couple of questions? Yeah, I've got, I've got one final question to ask. Well, I got a lot of them, but we'll keep it to I one. I know, I do too. <laughs> but 
Tim, I think you've mentioned a lot of really big, exciting possibilities for the future of technology, but you also talked about it needing a lot of data input, a lot of analysis, and it's the big guys in HR who are, are sort of on the leading edge right now. Can the little guy compete? Can the little guy be a part of this, or is this a game that five to 10 years from now is only going to be won by the big companies? Um, great, great question. And I think the answer is there, there is always going to be a role for the, 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 pers- the, the small mid-sized firm, because I think the technology vendors are going to be able to package these insights and turn them into products. I, you know, when I, when I look at what Sense is doing, uh, I, I was just on the phone this, this morning, when I, when I hear their talk about their, their matching engine inside their, their, uh, their technology, I think, you know, or staffing engine in, in, the, in the spirit of the conversations that you and I've had, uh, you know, those are technologies and price points that are accessible to smaller firms. I, I, I have no concern. I mean, yes, will ADECO and Rostat have a head start and Manpower have a head start? Yes. Uh, but there's a, they have, they have their own issues that we as smaller operators don't have. And, you know, staffing is, is, is a, is a relationship business, especially on the client side. Um, you know, there, there's going to be a, you know, there's, there's going to be a role for, for me as a smaller operator to really understand my client's requirements at a level that is difficult, difficult for the big guys to keep competing in, because frankly, it's hard for them to really hire really good people at scale. We're better, you know, it, it just is. I mean, the more layers you put in, the harder it is to execute at the bottom. It, it, it's, we know that's true. And so, uh, you know, the, the fastest, I learned this from the, my friends at Advance, the fastest growth in a staffing company happens when you have two or three people collaborating together uh, in a market and where they, they, they have that symbiotic conversation about requirements and supply and you all of a sudden grow double triple and then you you add a couple more people and you keep growing then all of a sudden you have to add a supervisor oh my god now you've now you've tilted the dynamics a bit and so the bigger you get the harder it is to execute and so it, it's you know it, there's a there's a yin and yang to this stuff so that's a very technical there's a very technical term for you. No, I, I love that. And, it, and it's really funny, Tim, because um, we had another podcast recording earlier today, and it was not at all about technology, but they said almost the exact same thing. It's the symbiotic relationship, but they said the yin and the yang exactly between the recruiter and the salesperson that dictates how fast a new branch or a new service line succeeds. And what I love about your saying is, you know, the big companies, yeah, they have the resources of the 800 pound gorilla, but you know, you can use the Titanic versus the speedboat analogy. They're also turning the Titanic. Absolutely, David. It is, I, I, you know, that, that, you know, I use the term order management because that's to me is where the friction is at. It's, it's, you know, what are my open orders? What's my priority there? I can't tell you how many firms have crappy order uh, prioritization metrics. They just, they're terrible. And every, the, the, they get worse the bigger the firm because it's harder to do. Mm-hmm. It, but if the three of us were running a staffing firm, you can be, better be damn sure we know what the high priorities are because we get up in the morning, we look at each other in the eyes and say, what do we got to work on today? What's going to happen today? And we, we, we clear the, the brush away. So 
that clarity of order management is absolute when you have a handful of people. It gets it gets softer as we get bigger, and it takes a little more effort. So yeah, it's a to me it's a you know finding that perfect spot, uh, and I think it, it largely dependent on a lot of the the, the different niches that we see uh, mm-hmm. emerge. Um, you got you know the big operators I think that have been acquiring firms are going to be successful if they can keep the kind of that that the 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 brands they acquire to be responsive to their um, you know to their to their origins to their markets to the people that got them there. Awesome. Well, thank you, Tim. So um, I guess I had one more final question, but not really a question as much as you, li- you list a lot of great things. You help people figure this all out. So if somebody wants to get a hold of you to talk more about technology, what's the best place to reach out to Tim Jackson? You know, I, I LinkedIn, you know, I, that to me, it, it's an easy, it, my email's on there. Uh, and what, you know, depending on the scope of the work, it can be personal or, you know, I, I call my friends at Newberry and we, they, they can, you know, they're, they are the premier bullhorn implementer. So, uh, you know, I, you know, if, if, when you think about the technology space, you know, it, 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 you know, my, 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 my effectiveness is a small piece in the greater, you know, puzzle. So, you know, if it, it takes, it, it takes a lot of pieces. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate the insights. Lots of great food for thought today. Uh, And thank you so much for being a guest on the show. Thank you. And happy Thanksgiving to everybody. You too, Tim. Thanks. You guys. Well, that was a fun chat about technology, but I got to tell you, I'm a little disappointed. We did not at all get into your late night adventures and all the back and forth that you did with who who is now our CTO, Rick, in order to build Haley Mail, our email marketing product that, that Tim and Lana from Advance were really responsible for us creating. So I'm a little disappointed, but... That said, I, I love the I love the conversation. Uh, not just because technology is fun, but Tim brought a really different perspective to technology. It wasn't just apps and automation like we've heard in the past. It was broader than that. So, what struck you? Well, first of all, if you want to tell that story, you can always tell that story. But this, that story is kind of a an example of your. Um, what did he call it? Shiny object syndrome. Never, (laughs) never. But okay, we don't have to go there. So for Tim, like just talking with Tim about technology is really one of my favorite things to do. And I wish I had more time to do it. Like, I just really enjoy those kind of nerdy conversations. And I loved what he was heading with the AI machine learning, because that does that right now is where a lot of my time is spent is reading about AI and machine learning and where it's headed and what's available and playing around with different AI and machine learning um, products and services that are readily available right now. And it's interesting to hear his take on where it's going to hit in the staffing industry and how it's going to change things. And I think he's right on the timeline, three to five years. Um, I also really liked it. And I could sum this whole thing up couple hours here, but I really liked what he talked about in the DEI space and really using AI to take away our personal, um, oh gosh, I lost the word. Um, Our biases. Biases. Thank you. Gosh, I don't know why I lost that word. 
um, in when we're hiring and, and, you know, we see somebody walk in and we initially, we have bias. We, we need to acknowledge the fact that we all have some kind of bias. And if you could do it like a blind orchestra edition, and we could do that with AI, how much farther we'd be along and more diverse we could become. Yeah, I, I like the idea of being able to turn the complexity of hiring into data. And, you know, he's exactly right. A big company or even a staffing company, you're filling the same roles over and over and over again. You're creating all of this information, all this data about what makes a successful hire, although we don't often close the loop in staffing to see how the person did it in terms of performance at the client site. But we have that access to that data and we can use that through machine learning to start making better decisions up front. So it's not evaluating a resume subjective, not just asking the right interview questions subjective to it's being able to have some way to analyze the human's past performance to figure out, do they have the proven track record to match the specifications of the job? It'd be interesting to see if in three to five years from now that machines can do that. Well, to Tim's point, it's not just the, the person you placed or the candidate, it is the other side. It is, you know, what is success in this company, in this role, with this boss, at this place, at this time, and putting all those different variables into place. How do you know this particular person is going to be successful in that environment? And what does it take for someone to be successful in that environment and marrying all that? A human isn't capable of making those decisions. We make gut reactions when it comes to that many variables. We don't have any other way to do it. So we have to take our experience. But AI, we can teach it to take all of our experiences and it can learn so much faster than a human. It can apply all of that. Yeah, well, that's why the overall success in corporate America for hiring runs about 50%. Exactly. So we can improve that. So another thing that I like that Tim said that the role of technology isn't to disintermediate the staffing company and isn't isn't to disintermediate the relationship. It's to, the words he used were, optimize human performance. So the relationships matter, the skill of the recruiter, the skill of the salesperson matter, but how are you optimizing the performance? And right now, I think there's a lot that's focused on using automation to standardize the candidate and client experience so that we don't leave people in the dark. We don't create black holes, which is great. But if everybody starts doing the same process to optimize the experience, all of a sudden everybody's delivering the same experience, that's not focusing on optimizing the performance of your humans. So I think it's a really different way of looking at technology. And I, and I liked his, his thought process. I, I think also to that end, a lot of times we um, look at that automation as a way to take this C and D task off of the plate of somebody that's doing that work, but we're not looking at, is this the work that should be done? And what can we do to make to improve that process instead of just replacing the process? And that's what I see a lot of, Thing happening around us. And that's great for RPO and that's great for, you know, where we're headed, but I think we need to take it a step or two or three or four steps beyond that. And I think Tim was talking about that a bit too. So yeah, I, he also jumped into the cost side and this is another big one aha for me. I understand that he would get this, you would get this, but the total cost of implementation is not the cost of the technology. It's not the cost of executing technology. We just had one recently, a client got upset, like doing that API integration would not take that much time. Well, you're right. Connecting the dots on the API doesn't take that much time, but testing it, specking it out, training people who have to use it, going back and forth with vendors to get information. When you look at the total cost of the project and you really define an accurate scope, 
you have to consider that in developing the budget. And the other one that he mentioned that I never even personally thought of is when you start to do things that eliminate the need for people, at some point, you still need people. Like I said, in a branch, we can't go down to a one-person branch. So no matter how good the automation was, there's costs we, we can't get rid of. And that wasn't effectively factored into a project he was mentioning. Yep. I think that goes along with your 75% of um, technology projects fail and re-evaluating the word fail because sometimes the scope has to change and maybe it didn't meet that original spec, but it's still not a failure. Um, and I think that was a, a pretty good, well, for me, because I run so many technology projects, I was like, yes, yes, it's not a failure. <laughs> Let's not look at it that way at all. <laughs> no, it's not like when we develop software, you know, I think projects need an MVP. What's the minimum viable solution, minimum viable product? That's a, that's a technology acronym. When companies are building software, they think, what's the least product I can get out there that people will buy to start to give feedback? But I think that fits to a lot of products, projects you implement. What's the least viable solution that would make this effort worthwhile. And then once you get that in place, then build on it. Yeah, absolutely. And then I guess my, my last one is probably the one I know you're going to want to go home and play with. I love the low code RPA. You know, we've been talking about it for a while now. So I assume that I'm now going to lose you down the black hole of wanting to go play with RPA systems because there's so much process that can be automated. Well, I've been playing on the side for a, a lot a long time, actually. Like I, I always have my hands in some of that stuff. Unfortunately, I don't have time to make that a priority or the ability to make that a priority in my life and life goes on, but becoming a citizen developer. I like that idea. I like that idea a lot. I miss my development days. I really do. Yeah. I think my skills are too far gone to do that. So I will look forward to you becoming a citizen developer. All right. Anything else from your end from today? Oh, tons more, but let's let's wrap this. Everybody has other things to do, I'm sure. <laughs> All right. Well, everybody, thank you for listening to this episode of Secrets of Staffing Success. We hope you enjoyed the show and Tim's insights. Um, if you've got feedback for us, please leave, leave us a review. Send us an email. Tell us what we can do to make this show even better for you. And from all of us at Haley Marketing, thank you for listening to Secrets of Staffing Success. Mm-hmm.